Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Thank you all for watching the Golf Cars episode. We were proud to bring this to you, and we've been discussing the fact that even though these two manufacturers, Lexus and Chevrolet, mm-hmm. have built sports cars with golf thinking in mind, yes. we could have said, all right, let's show you the golf clubs going in the car. Let's have Todd and I walking towards the, co- you know, the cars with golf clubs over our shoulder. Definitely in slow-mo with like <laughs> pigeons and explosions behind us. Totally John Woo, yeah. <laughs> Because explosions happen. You know it. At least at the pro shop. I, I, I don't know. Completely, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But then we thought, why would we waste film time doing that, showing <laughs> you what you already know to be true about golf, instead of cool roads and beautiful scenery Yes, and cool cars? Many of you responded about that road. It was epic, wasn't it? We it also just so happened good. to hit it at the perfect time. It was yeah. so late in the fall that the leaves were no longer any of the normal fall colors. Everything was just yeah. pink. Yeah. Just pink, which is weird. And literally a week later, we had a blizzard and all of those leaves were gone. So we just hit it perfectly. I'm glad so many of you liked it. Hang on for those of you that don't have Motor Trend uh, Cable Channel. By the way, a brief reminder, this is Motor Trend Cable Channel. We are independent producers on Motor Trend Cable Channel. We are not on the Motor Trend On Demand app. We are then taking all of our episodes as we've done for seven seasons prior. They will come on Amazon as well in the near future, hopefully in the next coming weeks. That process starts right now, so we'll just see how long uh, Amazon takes to actually approve them. But uh, that's a kind of a bit of an unknown, but we will do everything we can. So those of you that are waiting on them, uh, ha- just hold tight. We're doing everything we can. This, this, tight. this week we have uh, episode uh, four coming, and we have, again, three more episodes, four, five, and six, all still coming. Haven't even premiered yet on Motor Trend. Yeah, that is good news. And special. Special thanks to our friends at Haggerty because they made this next episode happen for us. We drove two special cars and the premise around this, I can tell you the premise, and that is cars that are so expensive to drive at mm-hmm. any level, at the real ones, yeah, are yeah, so yeah. expensive, most of us have never seen real ones, let alone get the chance to drive them. They hide away in private garages. So to be able to drive them, you have to drive replica versions. Mm-hmm. And then at what price of fun is the replica version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was our headspace. Yeah, totally. And so they made it happen to drive their very own Factory 5 Type 65 Daytona Cobra replica versus a vintage Speedster Porsche 356 replica. And that was delivered from our friends at Monterey Touring Vehicles in Monterey, California. Mm -hmm. We had a glorious time. Again, it was was also late fall kind of weather there, but it was also California weather where there is no weather. Well, that's the thing. We came from, uh, I don't think we'll get T-shirts back out until spring. And we landed in California. We're like, let's take the top down. (laughs) It was great. Yeah, exactly. Some news that I thought you would be interested in. Many of you have written to us about this piece of news. Alpine Cars plus Lotus Cars has announced an electric A110. Mm -hmm. What I think this means that is good news for all of us enthusiasts is that small, nimble electric sports cars are happening sooner than we think. Mm. We've talked about this. And I've said, I think manufacturers need to get all the electric people movers out of their system and onto the budget <laughs> sheets and show something resembling profit yeah. before they'll even think about electric sports cars. But Group Renault and Group Lotus is proving me wrong, and I'm happy to be wrong. Can we think of this as sort of a miniature Lotus Avaya, maybe? Well, I mean, here's, something? here's the thing. Lotus has pioneered doing a heavy-duty uh, all-electric sports car to kind of, let's be honest, keep themselves relevant and on the map. Mm-hmm. The Alpine hasn't been a world car. We'd love to drive it, love to have it here, but obviously Renault is kind of out there. That is the Alpine car right now. It's an interesting mix. I, I mean, this is in that kind of... A memo of understanding. We we want to do this. Kind the manufacturer of memorandum of understanding Seriously. between us all. That is that is <laughs> honestly that is one layer beyond. We sent an email. I mean, it's it's <laughs> right. this is it's still thin. It's oh, thin, it's, yeah. but you know maybe it's Lotus add lightness. So we didn't even worry about anything else. We just went thin. One single sheeter. We're, we're good. Uh, I mean, let's hope so. I, I the big question I have about electric cars in general connected to fun. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the viability of the power plant. It has everything to do with weight. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. I'd be but very curious because the Alpine concerning and, as and as Lotus's yeah. history as well. I mean, what, what, they, what they are about, the Alpine and Lotus in general, we can't say that are anymore. both light. We added batteries, so we added weight. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, enthusiasts. Yeah. I'm very curious about I mean, I, I, I don't 
I, I've been this way forever. I don't really care what the engine is. I really don't. But I want the car to be engaging and fun. You, you Surely typically the, are more interested in what the engine is than I am. I, I am very interested, and the yeah. sound matters. Yeah, yeah. And of see, I, I'm not as tied to that even. I mean, sound I is cool, but I'm not even tied to that really. I mean, it's because I'm a Porsche super freak I'm, tattooed well, on I've, my heart. I kind of heard things. this. Yes. Sound matters. I've heard this. But I think you know, Lotus has always offered themselves up to be an engineering mm-hmm. consulting firm yes, in addition to doing their own thing. What makes me wonder about this is if Renault is giving them a platform, an SUV platform, to build the Lotus Oh, interesting SUV. point. Yeah. This is all we know about and all that's been talked about so far, but we've heard the rumors of the Lotus SUV, was, which is antithetical to the entire premise of what Colin Chapman founded. Theoretically, but yes. that's what people are buying. Mm-hmm. And they're not a charity organization, so we have to sell cars to make money. You're right, though. You could Wonder. take you could take something from anywhere in the Renault lineup mm-hmm. and use it as the basis to make your Macan fighting Lotus SUV. I hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. That's a good twist, which is weird. But the we'll cool see if that news happens. here is that that means Porsche has to have an electric Cayman up their sleeve shortly. Oh, you know they. Alpine and Lotus are you know they making do. noise about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Porsche's you know secretly snickering under their breath, like yeah, wait till you see the new Cayman. They're going to have electric options of just about yeah. everything. You know they are. Yeah, yeah for sure. So I, I think that's all very interesting. Thank you guys for sending us news and mm-hmm. updates. We're watching all that kind of information just like you are, and sometimes we miss things. Other times we don't, but uh, no, but it's always great. Yeah. I mean, we get, it's nice. We get so much great random email, TV at Gmail. I'm putting it out there again. Good, good. We get great random email. We get updates from you. We get your car conclusions, your car debates. All of it comes to the same kind of funnel, and either Paul or I do see it. And we like just hearing the random stuff. There's nothing wrong with that that's very cool driveshare is the coolest online car sharing platform around it's simple by connecting car owners with renters driveshare unlocks the joy of driving renters can find special cars that they can't believe they can drive that bring the awesome out of every moment and owners can earn extra cash to fund their passion to have the cars in the first place to sign up cruise over to driveshare.com or download the app on apple ios or android that's driveshare.com We have a topic Tuesday about a subject we have never discussed. Yes, true. This is a question from Derek M., who writes to us from New York, asking us if we've ever had a car stolen. Derek just had. His car was stolen, and he's feeling the need to share the experience with his car universe. And Derek, thank you for writing. I am deeply gutted that your car was stolen. This is horrible. Please keep us updated. This is a a recent email, so thank you for the, the... Initial information, but please keep us updated as uh, you go through this experience. We had all of our camera gear stolen Mm -hmm. in late 2017 out of the minivan after Mm -hmm. we went to dinner. So we've had stuff stolen, but neither of us have actually had a car stolen. Not true. Not true. You had a car stolen? I had a car stolen. I have a car stolen story. I have to tell a little bit of Derek's story here, and then I have a ridiculous car stolen story. Oh. That ties back to growing up and my father, and it's it it has layers. I didn't realize I'd never told you this before because I have to share this this story. And of course it also stars a Caprice classic, because why not? (laughs) But at least at least now now Derek, here's the thing about your story that I don't really understand. Because most of the time, not all the time, most of the time when somebody steals a car. It's a car that they can easily do something with. You don't hear. Meaning what? Well, I'll give you an example. People are not out to snipe my Lotus. Because as far it's as you know. A bright, yeah, because it's a bright yellow Lotus. You have to know how to get in it. You have to know how to drive stick shift. You know you're going to be visible anywhere you go. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody that is going to ship it overseas or chop it up. or It doesn't have use. I remember, and this is a while ago now. I remember for a while, one of the most stolen cars was the Honda Accord. Because they could chop it up easily, sell the parts easily, and off it went. It was Honda sure, Accord. Sure. It was also automatic, and there were a ton of them. So what I don't feel like you hear about all that often, and not not across the board, but I feel like the cars, if you look up like the most stolen cars list, they're typically mass market cars. They're not niche cars. Niche cars are stolen for joy rides. Yes. That's it. Exactly. End. Exactly right. But so otherwise, yeah, to make money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you had sort of a habit. 2018 BMW M3 competition pack, six-speed manual stolen, Mm. which means the person stealing it knew how to drive stick shift, and to (laughs) your point, Paul, kind of just wanted to drive it. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Which is really too bad, but what's interesting is the NYPD called you because they needed your help 
to track the car with its in-car GPS, you got BMW corporate involved? Amazing. They did track the car. They did find the car. It is going to be fixed because, of course, this is the downside. When your car gets stolen, it never comes back pristine. You just don't hear those stories. Something is wrong, taken, stolen, gone, whatever. So this is what happened to you, and you're still kind of in process. Oh, I yeah. It, forever you'll be in process, I'm a sure. A little bit, a little bit. But, sure. but as of the next morning, they did track it. They have found it. Your trunk was ransacked, The uh, <laughs> including the martini racing livery bag full of Griot's supplies. I love that inclusion. I'm sorry that, that it's back? gone. Did you get the supplies back? No, I'm they sure discover? they're just taken, which, which makes me wonder, who was this person that stole this car? Oh, I'll take all of your car cleaning stuff because I like that. Thank you for letting me drive your your BMW. This is a, this is an oddball. This is a atypical car stolen story because to, to what you said earlier, Paul, it just feels like somebody that was like, "I want to drive that car," which is a weird car stolen headspace. Yeah, I'm I'm reading through this, and here's the details. It's not exactly what you think. Three thugs apparently assaulted the garage attendant where he has his car stored. So it's an attended parking garage. And Derek said three people assaulted the attendant. He was not seriously harmed. Fortunately made a quick getaway with his car and two Range Rover sports. So it was three people Mm -hmm. targeting your car was one of them and two Mm -hmm. Range Rover sports, but it's common for New York city valet garages to keep the keys inside the cars because it makes the car shuffling easier. And Derek says, think about Tetris. It's sort of like (laughs) Tetris with cars to shuffle them when the owners come and say, I need my car. The keys are already in it. You don't have to run to a box or get into a locked storage, get the keys. I get it, Mm -hmm. but the thieves know this clearly. clearly. So they started the recovery effort. They said they called BMW. They located the car in Queens and reported it was in transit, and the New York Police Department wouldn't pursue it until it stopped. Hmm. So the police said, go home. They're working with BMW. We're monitoring the city's automatic plate readers located on major freeways, major roadways. And again, BMW would only share the car's location with the police because they don't want vigilante owners hunting down thieves, Mm. which I get. (laughs) So here was poor Derek. BMW Batman conglomerate here (laughs) chasing down their car. I I understand, but all this Mm -hmm. has to be thought through at a corporate level. You know, what's our policy for stolen cars? Yes. And we can't take responsibility for the fact that we can track your car, but you as the owner, we can't tell you because what if you chased and then you got into a rack and, oh man. that things can escalate from there. And then now they're liable because they gave you that information. Mm -hmm. So here's Derek. He went home. He spent the wee hours, he says, lying in bed, angry, visualizing his car jacked up on cinder blocks. Oh man. And 2018 was the last year they made this M3 with the petite grill. <laughs> well said. Well said. Gosh. He said, perfectly specced, M-Performance exhaust, sunroof delete, carbon package, heated steering wheel. He had recently invested in the winter wheels and tires to supplement the OEM wheels and his track wheels. Wow, man. Man, he had he had searched for this car. Man, I... So sleepless, he called BMW at 5.30 in the morning, discovered the car was somewhere in Brooklyn with its ignition off, and he thought at this point BMW and the NYPD would be coordinating in the recovery effort, Yeah, but they had not. So later that morning, the car was recovered by the police, towed to a pound. Derek got in a taxi, arrived at the pound to find the car missing the rear carbon diffusers, exhaust tips, and front front splitter. Hmm. As Todd said, everything was gone. A few paint scratches and cigarette ashes, but overall, the car's there. Now, what other thing interesting about here is they took the rear carbon diffuser, exhaust tips, and front splitter because you can sell those. Because you can sell those. Mm-hmm. Yep. Otherwise, it's a joyride with with stuff we can resell. Are you reselling a martini livery bag full of Griot's products? That's weird. The insult to injury here. <laughs> If you've recently bought a martini bag full of grills, exactly, we, we know Stolen the original merch. owner from Derek. But of course, because who else is going to pay? I read, I saw this coming. Did you see this coming in this email? Because they towed it to the pound, mm-hmm. and I instantly went, "Oh no!" Because now Derek's standing there and he wants his car. Yeah. The only reason his car's at the pound is because someone took his car from him. But the only way to get a car out of the pound is someone has to throw down, in this case, $325. Oof. So Derek had to pay to get his own car out. 
That's awful. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I see the breadcrumbs about the people that run the pound. I get it. Car came in here. Somebody's got to pay to get it out. I don't like that, but I see the breadcrumbs. But meanwhile, here's Derek going, I didn't put it here. I didn't want it here. It's not like I got towed. There's another part of this. Adding insult to injury, the thieves took his license plates. Mm. I'm not following. I'm not getting it. What am I missing? I I agree. I agree. What that am I missing? Strange. What, what I, benefit I, I, does it have to take your plates? No idea. No idea. Like, is that a trophy? Is that like a, you know, well, carving hang a on. Hang on. No, slice no, no, no. into my bedpost? We got another one. What yeah. happens? Here's, here's the screenwriter in me off and running. <laughs> you put those plates on a different vehicle for something else you're going to do. So when you get Fair caught enough. by look, because he was talking it. about the fact that NYPD was, was chasing because the plates. Are well, no, it, it becomes a dead end. It becomes a dead end mm-hmm. because you have plates for a BMW M3 competition on the van you took to do blank. So if there's any tracking, it creates this weird loop. So then why wouldn't there be other plates on Derek's BMW because they stole something? They're not else. trying to be helpful. They're, they're well, just, no, and put other plates on that to go rob a bank or do something well, but, like that. But I, I think Derek's plates have been taken for a use to be determined later. I think those plates Clearly. are going to resurface. That's what I think. Wow. Well, he found a dealer, local dealer, wish, willing to issue temp tags, and then he's got to pay for that. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So the car is apparently getting repaired. Insurance is expected to pay for everything, but of course, his emotions are all over the map. He felt helpless, angry, violated, relief upon recovering the car. He expected to suffer from hypochondria, not knowing how the car was driven by the thief. And he does say, how many people do you know that know how to drive a manual transmission? Not many anymore. But he's grateful. He says, these are high-class problems. It's just an M3. It's just a car. Derek, to, uh, to enthusiasts, it's your baby. But I totally get it. Absolutely. And listen, I mean, when we talked about the way Derek specked it out with sunroof delete and these kind of things, he went down the build sheet and built his car. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, I mean, that's just car. tough. Well, a, a quick story. I can't get go into too much detail, but if you've seen our Cayman Generations episode, the red Cayman R in that film was loaned to us by a local owner. It's known in Utah. People know who has that car. That particular car was stolen in Salt Lake by a gang of Somali thieves who took it and they he was also targeted let's put it that way yeah, yeah, yeah. they didn't break anything because they got the key mm-hmm. but they were street racing it in Salt Lake when the car was reported stolen and enthusiasts noticed it and went you know this owner they were like that doesn't sound like you know the guy we know that I know that's his car he's not out street racing yeah yeah, Why yeah. would he do that? Now, this owner also tracks the you-know-what off his car. Yeah, so he's he been on track. Yeah. He drives it hard. He knows how to drive. When he got it back, he said the only thing that happened to it, fortunately, was you could see where the thieves stood on the hood for whatever reason. Because when you steal a car, you just have to stand on it. Like, Let's stand on the hood. You know, victory photo. Right. I don't know. I don't, yeah, selfie. So they found footprints on the hood and the sheet metal deflected. But he said nothing. It was just... Footprints and nothing else. It wasn't scratched. It was all fine. And his little comment made me think, okay, you've got the right perspective. He said, I've tracked this har- this car harder than those guys drove it. That's a good point. I guarantee point. it. That's a good point. I mean, I know yeah. they drove it hard and street raced it, but I've driven this car harder than that. So That's a good point. They got yeah. nothing on me. Yeah, And yeah. then he got it back. Fortunately, it was recovered. And then a week later, he lent it to us. The car drove fine. Mm. Nothing was hard. I forgot. I thought that was after. That was before our shoot, wasn't it? It was just. It was the week before our shoot. I totally forgot that. You're right. Still willing to let it go out of his possession again? Yeah, yeah. So, Derek, I've got a question for you. Could you do that? I'm Mm. pointing the question at me. Could I do that? Yeah, that's a good question. I let my car. Like, well, I know these guys are going to take care of it. And Mm -hmm. he's like, I've driven it harder on track than those guys ever thought of driving it. He scoffed at them, and That's I think funny. that was the ultimate payback. That to is them. funny. That's great, Derek. <laughs> I, what I hope for you is I hope this doesn't make this car extra precious. That's that's my concern. I I hope. I mean, you're talking mm. about it being just a car, but at the same time, this was your M3. You spec that outright. This does make you just generally cautious when something like this happens. I think this is a lightning strike. 
I think a situation like this kind of a weird anomaly. One yes, kind of totally. Thing. Because the thing about it is, they took two Range Rover Sports and your BMW M3. That is a weird mix of things. I That's would just love hot, to know expensive cars, but I would love to is. know what what happened to the sports. You probably will never find out. But right. did they have carbon fiber stuff on them that was taken? They did they jump those into the seriously? River or something? I'm just I'm really yeah. They're in the East River. It's going to be great. They're, gonna, they're making a little uh, uh, <laughs> coral reef out of them. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> they made a jump out of the Range Rovers so they could jump your BMW or something. Yikes! I'm glad it's getting repaired. I hope you continue to drive this. To Paul's point, continue to track it. Continue to drive it as it was meant to be driven. I hope that this doesn't scar you on that reality. And I also want to say to you that I don't think this is an indicator of anything future-wise. It happened. It's bad. I don't necessarily think, like a lightning strike, I don't think there's much chance of this kind of thing ever happening to you again. Thanks for addressing that because the next question is, do we think he should get rid of the car now because it's been tainted? I don't think so. Yeah. It adds to the story. It adds to the provenance. You got it back, and if it is intact and can be repaired and everything comes That's back, the key stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it's back how you like it, and you get the smells out, and you get the whatever's on the seat off, and it's <laughs> yeah. back to yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now you do have, weirdly, a story. I'm not trying to make light of your pain not and your all. situation. It just yeah. added to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's still yours. Yeah. And like Todd said, I don't think it'll happen again. Yeah. Hopefully the garage does something different, takes steps to prevent that Let's from happening hope so. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now it's got a more story to it. He's like, well, yeah, it's been stolen, street raced, and it still drives great, and I still love it, and I, I drive it hard. You get to reclaim That's it. That's kind of exciting. Yeah, you get to reclaim yeah. it. That's kind of cool. I like that, Derek. I have to tell my car stolen story. I didn't yeah, realize you had do. Heard please do. So I'm in college, all right? And this is during the height of my father's obsession with Caprice Classics. So to we my had. Knowledge, he's owned two. Is that correct? Uh, he's owned four. Four. He's owned four. I thought it was just two. The, the the he owned two at the same time at this point because I was driving one of them. That's what I was thinking. But okay. he's owned four total. All wow. of those late nineties uh, <laughs> before it be, they became cool and they became the Impala SS. I'm talking like this was like the eighty eight to ninety four range of the Caprice Classic. <laughs> okay. This is what we owned. Okay, so wow. I guess eight, it's eighty seven because our oldest one was an eighty seven. The oldest one we had was the first one he got, and I remember when it was a big deal. My dad bought it, and I was like my son's age, I was like ten. It was a two tone brown Caprice Classic. I think I've seen pictures of that. That had the you, wire wheel hubcaps. Oh yeah, did it you not? probably have. Yes. Okay, I've seen yes. pictures of that. I haven't seen pictures of the other two. Two-tone brown. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, that was his, and I had a gray one. Okay. 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 And I forget why. I genuinely forget why. But for some reason, I had gone home back to Houston from Waco. I went to Baylor. I'd gone home, and for whatever reason, we had swapped Caprices for a bit. Okay. Okay. So you were so in the two-tone. I had the brown one. Awesome. I am responsible for the death of the first one. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, what? I had the brown one. Oh. My dad had the gray one. Okay. Yeah, this is how this one died. So oh. anyway, th- it was the first one. I, he probably would have driven that car for another 100,000 miles if this He might still have it now. He might still have it now. It's horrifying to think about. But anyway, <laughs> so I had this, this brown one. And I remember I took it climbing okay. to Austin. Okay. I had a brand new climbing rope in the floorboard of the car. I came back from an, from an all-weekend climbing trip, was exhausted, parked it really late at night. Now, here's the dad's side note. This was also the era when the club was very popular. Remember uh, the club? I had a club. I my used the dad club on my Honda Accord. had a club on every single car we owned at this era. <laughs> and he was obsessed with the club. And I thought it was stupid. <laughs> I just thought it was flat out stupid. It, it was mostly stupid. It was mostly just a – whoever invented the club they, is a zillionaire. They cashed in, didn't they? So yeah. there was a club in the car, but I parked it outside of my apartment in Waco and didn't put it on because it was – Refer to earlier. Stupid. <laughs> so I didn't put the club on my dad's brown Caprice Classic from the late 80s, and I went to bed. And I got a call 2 or 3 in the morning from the local police department. Great. Uh, Mr. Deacon, um, we believe your car has been stolen. And I said, groggy, in the middle of the night, no, it hasn't. It's outside. And there was this pause. And the very patient officer said, would you mind looking for me? <laughs> I looked out the window to see a little, just a little, in the moonlight, you could see little tinkles of glass. You could just see the little glass. Was the club there too? No, no, that would that would have been that perfect. Would have been that would have been perfect. an episode of The Simpsons. So no, <laughs> there was just little little shards of glass tinkling in the moonlight, and I said out loud on the phone. I remember doing this. It was like my car's been stolen. <laughs> 
of the officer was like, "This is why we're calling." I mean, clearly they had they had awakened me. <laughs> like, so please catch up with the class. We're two yeah, steps exactly, ahead of you. Exactly right. So uh, it was stolen by three kids who could barely drive. They awesome. broke the back. Because the back window, the back glass on the car was you had the roll down part, and then you had the little it's like the triangle glass. window. Yeah. You know, but they broke the little triangle yeah. window because you could reach in and unlock it from there. Right, you could pull the, the hopped in, put in their music, went for a joyride, saw a cop who, by the way, didn't know they were in a stolen car at the time. <laughs> freaked out and floored it. At which point, the cop did start chasing them because what are you doing? Right. Okay. Didn't make a corner. Oh no. Dead center of the front bumper met a huge uh, utility pole. The big wooden, used to be an oh. oak tree utility poles. Oh, nailed it. That thing didn't move. Yes, that didn't move. Neither did the car after that. Oh, my gosh. When I got to the uh, the wrecker lot, not only was there a in, in huge cave-in in the bumper and then the engine, but something had caught fire. Oh, no. Because oh there gosh. were smoke stains that had come up through all of the interior vents. Well, the radiator was smashed in. It hit the fan. Exactly. Then it hit the engine belt. Exactly right. Something so went it wrong. sent black smoke up through the interior. Yay. And the car was done. Oh. Not only did all that happen, but I had to call my father. I was going to say, who got to make that phone call? You. And his first question <laughs> was, did you have the club on it? <clears throat> and you said, no, I did not. <laughs> yeah. And and also, I don't know where, but somewhere in the process of them being chased, they tossed out the climbing rope. I'd used it once. Oh, man. The so, most valuable part of the whole thing. For me, it was. Yeah. But anyway, so my dad, <laughs> my dad's honest, I could almost say that his first Caprice Classic, his first love in the world of Caprice Classics died in a fiery crash. I can almost say that. That's kind of cool. It did get stolen by three guys younger than me. They were like late high school. They stole it. I don't even know whatever happened to them, but they stole it. They fully wrecked it. It was done. Oh, my gosh. I never knew this story. There you go. The death of my dad's first Caprice Classic because I didn't use the club. It's almost a cautionary tale. Almost. Well, clearly, the reason Derek's got car got stolen is because he didn't have the club. Exactly. So what I'm, this is really what I was club, trying Derek. to say. Just all, all you needed was the club. You yeah. see the, the through line here. <laughs> but you know what happened? The garage would have had the keys for the club in the club. That's what would have happened. Right. Yeah. It's, hmm. <laughs> it would have been even better if they had like smashed your window with the club mm-hmm. to get into your car or something. I don't know. Fortunately, they didn't. Derek, we're not trying to make light. I'm just thrilled you got your car back, man. And we're very sorry. Keep it for a while. Don't make any hasty decisions. If it, if H- it comes hang back it. driving well, drive it for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, reclaim it. And will this make you less precious with it and be able to enjoy it more? I hope so. It I'm could, It could swing the other way. Let's hope it makes it less precious. Let's go drive it even more. Keep us updated and write to us your own topic Tuesdays, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. We have Yevgeny K. Mm-hmm. writing to us from Moscow, Russia, who listens to the podcast. Yevgeny, thank you so much for writing Isn't to us. Isn't that cool? Thank you for listening. Thank you for writing. Mm-hmm. I loved your email here. He is 26. He's single, looking for his next car, currently driving a 2014 Skoda Octavia. Mm-hmm. Octavia? Octavia, yeah. He says this is a seventh-generation Golf with a 1.2-liter turbo and DSG putting out a whopping 105 brake horsepower. <laughs> okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Evgeny loves this car, but he wants something more interesting and engaging and quirky, meaning he wants something fun to look, Love it. look forward to after a long day at the office. He, he works in downtown Moscow. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. He, he is working in management consulting, and their working hours are long. After 12 hours at the office, he wants to have some fun on his way home. 
He also lives in the city of Moscow, and they've got heavy traffic, a lot of snow in the winter, which means he needs an automatic, and he doesn't need a lot of space or practicality. There we go. <laughs> Check. <laughs> I was going to say Lotus is for everyone, but that comes up later. He, he, does, he does do an end run on me about that. Yeah, yeah for sure. I noticed that. In a car, he enjoys lightness, good response from steering and throttle. His budget is at about a hundred and or no twenty five thousand dollars US. <laughs> I like that you just added a hundred grand for fun. The reason I said that is because I did the calculation. It is one million eight hundred forty nine thousand nine hundred ninety four rubles. Okay, sounds like a lot. It's twenty five thousand US dollars. That's actually good. It's good. We can work with that. It's no solid problem. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. he does make a point of saying that means twenty five, not thirty, and not thirty five. Ah, uh, he's met you. Okay, good. Actually, yeah. listened at least once. Yeah. <laughs> His current thoughts are all about Mini Cooper S's, Fiat 500 Abarts. He's considering a Volkswagen Beetle. He is a Volkswagen guy. Okay. And also a first-generation Cayman. Yeah. Okay. All right. But he's terrified of the maintenance cost on these. I wouldn't be terrified. Is there something he is overlooking? They have precisely zero low-tie for sale in Russia. <laughs> I <laughs> there didn't know you go. that. He's, he's stopping me. First off, he says, no Lotuses for sale at all. And he buy, he says, but pretty much if there's a BRZ or FRS in this country, it's been beat on so badly he doesn't want it. So the paragraph is dedicated it's to just, you. It's just me. The paragraph prior about don't go over my budget, that's all about you, Paul. Yep. Then he goes, Todd, no Lotus, no 86 <laughs> chassis. Let's move on. Let's be honest. He's done nice, well. Nice and subtle there, Evgeny. He loves the new Mazda 3. He would be willing to lease, but they only get stupidly slow 1.5 and 2-liter naturally aspirated engines. Okay. All right. Wow. Those aren't Those aren't the ones you want. But but I, I've never shopped on Russian car websites before. This is the thing that, that was this an enjoyable does. first time. This is the, it, the, the weird cul-de-sacs of the internet that you and I wind up on after doing nearly 600 podcasts. The places we've Indeed. looked up, the things I have plugged into Google as a result of this show are sentences I would have never put together. So uh, yeah. shopping for cars, and, and you know how, how it autofills? Uh-huh. I'm typing in cars, and then I keep adding, in Russia. <laughs> and then it doesn't know what to do with it. it, 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 it actually, it's those rare times when you make Google think. Because, uh-huh. you know, Google seems instantaneous. Remember, you remember the days when Google used That's to actually right. post how long it took them to search? It's like, you know, fractions of a second. It doesn't do that anymore, you know? But it's, it's hysterical. Scary. The times when it actually, the screen goes white, and it just thinks for a second. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, in Russia, that kind of, oh, here you go. That's Lists. funny. I I enjoyed this, Evgeny. Thank you for writing. I was thinking initially about a 2014 BMW 2 Series, mm. but it just so happens it's located in a town called Magnitogorsk. It's about 1,700 kilometers from Moscow. Mm. So this would be about the equivalent of driving from New York City to Orlando to go get your new car. Sure. Or Los Angeles to Portland, something sure, like that. Sure, why not? A little bit more than a day's drive to go get that car. Road trip. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's got 106,000 kilometers, and it's only 1.2 million rubles, approximately 17,000 euro. It's just a little far. So I'm thinking, let's shop closer to home. Okay. You know this always comes up. Whenever I have, what car can I get that's cool, German, fun to drive, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, but useful, I always suggest that older 3 Series five-door coupe. Well. I always go there. Yes, but I actually, along those same lines, one of the ones I think you should look up is the BMW 1 Series we didn't get. The 1 Series is also great, yes. Which I comes agree. in wagon-looking, kind of like the updated clown shoe in some ways. You know what I mean? That's how they sold it, too. But it just – but yeah. the, the, now those vary. I'm just going to go there real quick. Those vary. We didn't get them. You've mentioned a lot of hatchbacks, and I was trying to think about variants on that. And that's what led me to the 1 Series in general. Mm-hmm. But that 1 Series you could get in rear-wheel drive or X-Drive. That's you true. Rear-wheel drive. That's true. It is a little usable hatchback we didn't get in the U.S. They vary wildly in spec. This so get one that true, has yes. performance packs on it. Get get the best, highest performance one you can find and afford. And I don't know what it means if I tell you to shop nationwide in Russia. Probably something you're not going to do. But but get, look around for a while. Yeah, look it's around for a far. while. But the, the BMW 1 Series, get that wagon. I also wonder, and, and I'm asking, you'd have to tell us, can you go to the EU and get a car and bring it back in? Thank you. That was my thought. Yeah, because that you 1 Series know. wagon is cool. It is cool. I like the idea, but I don't know that you even need to go that far. Evgeny, can you go to Lithuania or Belarus mm, or mm. Ukraine, somewhere in the neighboring countries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Moscow is further west, obviously. You're closer to those countries. Going there, 
I don't know all the ins and outs of buying a car in Russia. I you don't. really do not. Yes. Based on the research I was doing, there's more to it than we all think. So I don't know if you're limited to buying in Russia or if you could consider a little road trip because those countries are closer than Magnitogorsk. <laughs> I looked. You're just enjoying saying that over and I over. Am. Let's hope you're pronouncing it somewhat close to right. But anyway, I'm not. Yes. I guarantee you I'm not. I started with a 2011 Audi RS5 4.2 with 93,000 kilometers. Ooh. It's only 1.35 million rubles. Okay. But I thought that would be too heavy. It's too he- heavy. Based on his liking just small stuff, yeah. Too much. So I went another direction. I decided on pursuing a Seat Leon Cupra. And as you know now, Cupra has been carved out as its own brand, Mm -hmm. much like we've suggested Corvette do. Mm -hmm. But it's still Seat. It's still Volkswagen Group. The problem is it's just slightly hotter than you have right now. Mm. Even though I know you'd like it, it's just almost kind of the same thing. So I went in a different direction pursuing Hyundai i20Ns. I don't know if used. I wasn't finding. I think you could probably find websites better to shop than I could. I'm sure, yeah. But I was just thinking about the I-20N. We sure enjoyed it in Germany on the ring. But that was the 30, wasn't it? That could have been the 30, but the 20, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now that I think about it, it, might not be the N version. Maybe it was the 20. Pretty sure we were in the 30 when we were, were we on in the, the ring. 30? Yeah. Nevertheless, that's the small version. But again, yeah, yeah. even if it's slightly hotter, it's almost a replica of what you have right now. That was my concern as well with hot hatchbacks, yeah. So I do have three for you that okay, are completely different. First off is a Mustang in Russia. Whoa. Can you did, get a Mustang in Russia? I did not see that coming. Can you get American muscle in Russia? I'm asking mm. because that would stand out. That would be unique. <laughs> you would be that guy. You would officially be. Can you get a Russian license plate that essentially says that guy? Do they do personalized plates? Probably. Because I wouldn't be able to read them anyway. I'm just asking money. the question. You pay yeah. enough money, I'm sure. Exactly, but yeah. I'm, it's, I'm just asking. You know how in the U.S. or other countries you can get the, hey, you can get the some car that we don't get here kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. website or importer? Yeah, yeah. JDM cars in the U.S., we get those here. Sure, sure, sure. Is there yeah, an yeah. equivalent in Moscow that you could hmm. find that you could get that Mustang? Then I went to one of my other favorites, the Peugeot RCZ or RCZR. Oh, interesting. Good call. Now, these are built in Austria, or were. They're out of production at this mm-hmm. point. RCZRs are very hard to find, and I think they might just be outside of your budget. But how about just the straight-up RCZ? I think that would be kind of cool and interesting, unique. Yeah, for sure. Again, the search will – I couldn't find as many as probably you will be able to. But the car that I did land on that I do think you'll be able to find, I think will be interesting. It'll be unique but it won't stand out too much. It'll be okay. blend, but it'll still be fun. It's a balance. It's not the. It's not super light, but it's not the heaviest thing in the world either. And it's going to be an, a significant upgrade for you. Okay. That is the Mercedes AMG GLA 45. I like that. Can he get one? That's my question. Mm. I could be totally out of my tree here. And I mean, they, they have might not be available. depreciated like crazy. It's possible. That's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. Again, see it's that. not the lightest thing ever. It's not like you went oh, and bought fun, though. You know, an Elise or a BRZ, but you already ruled those out. Mm-hmm. And again, we have to work with what's available. And we're always talking about searching other countries, searching what's near you, if that's possible. If you could go to, like I said, Ukraine or Lithuania mm-hmm. or something like that, get it, bring it back in. I'm asking. Mm-hmm. It would be a significant upgrade because it's like the gentleman's hot hatch. Yes, for sure. And for because sure. it is all-wheel drive and because it's got the DCT and all yes. those things, I think it could really work. But the form factor is smaller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a lot more power, different form factor. Mercedes, you you like Volkswagen groups, so it still gives you that German car thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good that one. you love. I like that. Just asking. The RCZ and that are very cool. They're very different. Cool They're I just like so it. different. I wanted to run through some of the things you brought up, Yevgeny, and uh, let's see. Let's see here. You mentioned the Fiat 500 Abarth and the Mini Cooper. I think both of those are really interesting choices because they would, would be not feel like your Volkswagen. They just wouldn't. Yeah, very true. Okay? They wouldn't feel like a Skoda. So now the problem is the Abarth has all the personality you're hoping for, and I think the Mini probably does too. The problem with both of those is they're not – they're definitely not as much fun in automatic. True. But you that's want an automatic. That's He's okay. So I totally get it. Needs. So I totally get it. So I actually think that either one of those you should look at because I suspect that they, they, have, they have different quirky. So mm-hmm. get in both of them. See which one speaks to you. I actually can't make the call for you because I think both of them are fun in their own ways. So definitely 
drive a Fiat 500 to BART and a Mini Cooper and see which one connects with you the most. I think if it were my money, I might get the Abart because I think it has a little bit more of a laugh factor. True, true. But I think the Mini Cooper in automatic form might prove more fun to drive. I'm with you on that. Because I'm not a huge fan of the Fiat 500's automatic transmission, having driven it. I'm just wondering, if can you stretch and go manual? Could you? Don't know. Great question. And who knows what kind of commute we're talking about. I mean, it sounds like he'd have a leg-killing commute, so that's why we're looking at auto. Which made me think of a, a... Another great front-wheel drive hatch we didn't get here. Okay. Well, there's many, but yes. yeah. Can you get yourself a Renault Megane RS? Mm. That one They might so, be too expensive, though. I, but see, they've been around a while now, though. I mean, they're into a whole – the one that we drove many, many older. times is into a whole other generation now of Megane, and you know the autos are going to be less expensive. So you're thinking the 265 like we had on the Ring, one well, of those? But they made a lot of different RSs. They made they like did. a 265 and a 275, and they made a lot of different like RS flavor ones. So yeah. what can you find? What can you get? Because with the amount of power you've had so far – Anything over 200 horsepower is going to feel like a rocket ship. True. So anything double the power. with an RS flavor Magan yeah. is going to feel totally different than your Skoda. It's a totally different thinking. Now, our experience with the Renault, which we've really, really liked, has all been manual transmission. True. True. So I can I just physically cannot speak to what the auto is like in that car. But, man, those Magans, anytime anybody put them in a hot hatch comparison, it was one of the top two cars. Mm-hmm. across the mm-hmm. board. So look at the Megane RS. I have to say I really like the idea of the BMW 1 Series hatch thing. I think that'd be really that cool. That is good. That's good. I, I did like notice, it. though, for your budget, you can get the current BMW 2 Series two-door in your budget. There's not a lot of them, but they're out there. I also discovered while laughing that when you search for BMWs on the Russian sites I was on yeah. and you search by type of BMW, it doesn't care. Yeah, you could do one series. It was showing me a seven and a five and a three, and they all said one series was I was like, you know what? Those aren't one series. I noticed a lot of mislabeling too. Yeah. I found a two series that's actually an M six. Yes, exactly. That, that's I, that, not a two just, series. In general, I just feel like yeah. Russia is selling BMWs. They have them. True. Come find a BMW. There were there were a lot for sale inside. It was on, and there were a lot in your budget. But I think a two series would be a great one. I want to speak real quickly to the Mazda three. The current Mazda 3, I think you would really, really like it. I think the 2-liter is okay in that car. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's unique enough. And I really like the car. Yeah, the car's good. I don't think it's unique enough for, for your usage. We're trying you, to get into something a little bit special. I agree. Model of I agree. Something, even if it's still a hot hatch. I love that you're considering the first-gen Cayman. I don't think, maintenance-wise, that would be a big problem car. I just don't think it would be. But... Are you wanting to go that far? That feels to me like a really big leap from where you are, which is why I like some of the like the, the one series and the two series. You're right. uh, to me, that feels like the intermediary step, and then maybe later on you go Cayman. But wh- where are you on this? I, I like the Cayman for the car after what's next. I, I, I think. think so, too. I don't know why I get that feeling, but I yeah. think so, too. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's a completely different platform, and you've got to kind of figure out you know, managing maybe two different sets of tires. And a lot of the cars we're finding, you could probably get for less and therefore have a little bit of money left over mm-hmm. to kind of put into budgeting for maintenance. Yeah, now that I've got a hotter yeah, yeah. something that isn't a toaster, now mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. put money into a separate set of wheels and tires and then really think, okay, what is my commute? Will it change in the future? And then could I introduce a Cayman into my life? I'm all about the Cayman, absolutely. Well, and, and what's, that would be great. Again, what's, what's your comfort level having driven a Skoda with no horsepower – what is your personal preciousness comfort level with now I'm driving a Cayman it in changes. downtown Moscow? Even used, even years I old, think, it changes. I think that would be maybe a leap so far that you now wouldn't enjoy the drive as much as you could because you're like, oh my gosh, this thing, i got to worry, yeah, which is why I think yeah. these intermediary steps might be the way to go. Yeah, I just I want you to get a Cayman. Think about it a little bit longer term at this point, but then, uh, you know, keep us posted. I'm excited about this because we – Got a lot of options, and then it does come down to what's possible, really. Some of the hotter models might not even be available, and it just kind of depends. But please keep us posted, and thanks for writing very much. Great questions, as always. I'm going to start right here with Walid, who asks a question that we get in different variations a lot. And I do actually really like this question. It is, can you be a car enthusiast while driving a plain Jane car for other duties? Mm. For example, can you have a Lotus in the garage next to your Kia Sorento? 
or do you have to have a Cayman S next to your Macan X next to your Ram TRX? <laughs> I, I love I love this. Well, you can be a car enthusiast that doesn't even own a car. Very true. Yeah. And and you can drive a Prius, and your Prius works for your life. And you are a full-on car enthusiast. Is it a GR Prius? No, I don't think so. Wouldn't oh. that be awesome, though? Wouldn't what, that be cool? What would they do for a GR? I think it'd probably be all-wheel drive, electric all-wheel drive, the yeah. GR Prius. And let's with really get the fenders. kilowatts turned up so we can get some <laughs> get a tune out of that trombone. Now with more kilowatts. Yeah, come the on. The Prius GR. They had every other version of the Prius, the, all the Prii. Moving on. No, Wally, I, I think if you are a, a driver that has tools for the job, Fine. I, but I also think if you don't have tools for the job and you just have a car that you wish it was everything better than it is, you can still love cars and be a car enthusiast. We've had people write us and they tell us their car. We both kind of go, oh, yikes. Yeah. But you can feel the passion for cars in their email. Mm-hmm. It, isn't, sure. it isn't for car sure. dictated at all. And our friend Greg, he's probably driving the track right now because he's told me he only, for whatever reason, gets mentioned on this podcast while he's currently driving to the track. Which so means Greg, he's driving the track. have a safe trip to the track. Right. Anyway, right. but our friend Greg has the family minivan mm-hmm. that he changed the suspension and tires on. He because put high performance tires Because on he minivan. didn't like the way it drove, but he was like, I have enough kids, I need a minivan. Thing corners Which, like nothing else. Talk, talk about a track rat buys a van. That's pretty awesome right there. But he, but he did have that assessment where he was just like, tools for jobs. I have a car, I take yeah. the track. Yeah. This is the family hauler. It has to drive better. So suspension and tires went on it, which makes me laugh. There's a question here from Christopher L. who says he's not quite sure he completely understands what we mean when we say let the car settle. Do we completely understand what we mean? Oh, sorry. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> For the most part, I think we do. I think we do, too. What exactly does that mean? How does it feel? When we say let a car settle, it means let the weight of the car, the, the weight, the direction is currently going. For example, if you're in a straight line and you're braking, the weight of the car is moving forward. Mm-hmm. If you're under acceleration, the weight of the car is moving backwards. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Going around corners, left or right, you can feel the weight of the car going in a certain direction. And really, all you're managing is the rotation of that weight in conjunction with the tire patch. Yes. It's really well what you're, well done. all you're doing. So when we say let it settle, that means the weight of the car is not traveling in any particular direction. Mm-hmm. It's settled over its center axis. Think of a merry-go-round. That center axis is going right through the middle of the car vertically. Yeah. And it doesn't want to do anything. So when you go around a corner, you let it settle by going back to the straight line and now the car, even though it's moving, it's not under hard acceleration. You're not under hard braking for the next corner yet. The car has therefore settled. It's ready for the next motion mm-hmm. because once you get a car unsettled, the weight's going this way and you make an overcorrection. Guess what? That weight's going to come back the other direction. True. And that- that's what drifters use mm-hmm. to make that nice pendulum swing. They use the weight shift to their advantage. True. And I think you and I on camera have probably mentioned the weight settling in a corner. And what I mean, and what yes. I mean by that is it's still back to your point. You're, you're absolutely 100% agree with you. The, the thing is when we're talking about weight settling in a corner, that is the motion has stopped. The weight shift of the car is now as far over to one side as it's going to get. And you might still be going through the corner. Yes, absolutely. Correct. So it has settled into the current motion. Right. Because the problem that happens, and this is where, back to your drifting point, this is where that can kind of happen. You can unsettle a car and you can make it do weird things if you apply a new correction while the weight is still in motion. Mm-hmm. And that's some, some. I know that you and I have both used it, talked about the weight settling in a corner, which means it has obviously shifted to one side of the car. Right. But you've got as the weight is. If I, I like your uh, ideas about the merry-go-round, think of it like a top as well. The same idea. Mm-hmm. If if it's wobbling, weird things happen. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, think of a 911. The beauty of a 911 is you can break harder than anybody else into a corner because you've got weight over the back mm. wheels. You're putting a lot of pressure on that front those two front tires, but you still got weight over the back end, unlike a front engine car, which gets real light back there. But now you have to manage it, meaning you can brake a lot later, but you can't get on the throttle as soon as other cars. You've got to let the car now settle first into its turn. Now you're just managing. Now the weight's coming off the front. It's moving towards the center. Now it's moving towards the back as you apply the throttle. And now you're turning. So it's going to one side or the other. You're just managing where that weight is going in the car. The 911 is a great one because 
a, a lot of drivers love it because you can get on the power really quickly, but they get on the power really quickly, and that weight shift sends the back starting to, to drift mm-hmm. around. Yes. And the guys that really know 911s, they will enter the corner by braking later than everybody else, and they will exit the corner half sideways, right. cackling. Right. And it's all about weight shift. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Many of you, Jeff is one of them on Facebook, but many of you have asked a variation on the same question, which is uh, rumors of a Corvette SUV under a Corvette sub-brand. And many of you have said, do we think GM is listening to this podcast and or are people listening to the fact that I've talked about a Corvette sub-brand? Maybe they're listening, but I will say this. If they're listening, they didn't hear what I said (laughs) because I didn't say – I didn't say crossover – (laughs) <laughs> Didn't. I said Corvette sub-brand with three layers of sports cars under Corvette. I think this is GM watching Ford. Because, because of the Mach-E? of the Mach-E. Uh-huh. We have the ability to do name recognition to sell. I, I wonder mm. if the Corvette crossover is going to be electric. Because you have name recognition mm. Mm. and you have a discussion. Because let me go flip it the other way. Outside of the weird Hummer product they're about to release, would the average person, general public, accept a high-performance focused SUV from General Motors or with a Chevy badge? Probably not. But I, I could go back and forth on that. But because you, of the Mustang Mach-E. Everybody's well, like – But that's what I'm saying. That's because not of the Mustang, Mustang Mach-E – you, you attach a performance moniker mm. to an all-electric SUV product. I think this is GM doing the same thing. We'll put a Corvette badge on an all-electric performance SUV, and it will sell because it is a Corvette badge. This is not what I said. <laughs> I said sports cars. I said mid-engine sports car, like a hundred grand. I said seven, just like the C7 front-engine uh, Corvette for like sixty grand, and something that is an eighty-six fighter for like thirty. The Fiero. Call it the, the Let's Fiero. Bring the Solstice and the Fiero. Sure. The Solstice that, needs to grow the, a little the, bit. Fiero needs, or maybe about, not. How maybe about it's Fiero, versus Fiero front. at forty? You yes. go mid-engine, front-engine, mid-engine, front-engine. Yeah. There's four cars working down the lineup. We start with the Zora. I'm, I'm just on, on it now. Zora's the rant. top end. Zora's yes. the top end. Starts at 100 grand, mid-engine Corvette. Okay. Then you have the standard Corvette we're all used to. It would be the C9, I guess, at this point. Front-engine, V8. Then you have the Fiero at like 45 grand. There's your cheap mid-engine. Mm-hmm. The Alpha 4 C-sized car. Yeah. Then you have your new Corvette Solstice. That is your Miata fighter, 86 fighter at about 30. This is what I'm talking about. There's no SUVs in sight. (laughs) I agree. I totally agree. But you know, if there's going to be a Corvette SUV, the powertrain will be a toe in the pool to introduce electrified Corvettes. And you know the marketing people are going to say, well, now we've got a four-door Corvette since you all have been talking about it for so long and trying to actually put that moniker on things that aren't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now we actually do. Here's with the hybrid or electrified powertrain that will then be shoved into the actual Corvette because we know it's successful over here. It runs. Everybody's accepted it. Mm-hmm. Yay. Now we can put it in a real Corvette. Here it is, everybody. Yeah, it's all happening. I, I think the C8 is going to get a, a front engine, uh, a front electric motor and be hybridized anyway. So it's happening. Speaking of Mach-E, Travels with George J asks, if we were only going to buy one car in the next five years, which Ford product would you be happier with, a Mach-E or a Bronco? Having not driven either at this point, I've got to say it depends because what's mm-hmm. the lifestyle? like? Yeah, mm. yeah, and why limited to just Ford products? Are He's just- specifically specifically uh, asking Ford because exactly. Ford is Ford is releasing big products right now that couldn't be more different. Indeed, that's the fascinating yeah. thing, and yet they're all SUVs. So there's that happening as well. It's a tough call on that one. I, I, mm, tough call because both cars have that aspirational new lifestyle attached to them. Yeah, fair point. Fair that point. new thing. Now you're electrified. And it's still an SUV, so you can do all your family and fun stuff, but now you can get that canoe you've been wanting. Can I? Sorry, you've just... And Bronco, now you can go off-roading because you have a Bronco now. Yeah, you've just made me think of that thing that we never actually talked about, and I may have a rant coming on, and that is Jeep (laughs) with the 4xe, where they're going to make an electric Wrangler. Mm -hmm. Fine. Yes. But the question that I have is... They're talking about putting in charging stations in places like Moab, way off the beaten track. Is this good, like, protect the world land management to run heavy-duty electric cables off in the middle of nowhere, and here's a charging station in the middle of my pristine nothingness? Oh, look, a charge station. Is that going the right way? Only if it's got a diesel generator. 
next to it. Well, but <laughs> you're having a different conversation. My <laughs> point is we're standing here. Listen, kids, to the what? The hum of the charger? <laughs> totally. I just I, the, the picture totally. was great, but now we got to Photoshop out the charger out of the middle of it. I, that just strikes me as really weird. Augie2119 asks, what gives an electric motor its character? Is it even possible or is it all about energy consumption? You're touching on it right there. And Tesla has done a masterful job of selling us all plaid mode so we can just flatten our eyeballs and make our brains hurt and squish that protective brain fluid around. (laughs) Give yourself a concussion from the comfort of the driver's seat. Kind of. And then, you know, duck because the phone is coming backwards off the instrument panel where I put it and it's going to smack the people in the back seat. I'm envisioning your happen. phone coming off the top of your Quattroporte in the middle of the salt flats. We have it on video and it's shown on Instagram. It's fantastic. There's just yeah. a moment when it flies off the roof. And what's the best part about it is that Paul is aware that something's happened and he flicks his eyes to the, to the rearview mirror, but it doesn't register that he's just lost his phone in the middle of the salt flats. There went my phone. It's actually still out there. It's still out way. there. That's my Congratulations if you find Paul's phone. It has to do with how the batteries continue to give life to the electric motor. So consumption is touching on it, but think about Formula E and what they've done to make the racing series so you're using all of the electricity until you get to 1%, which means you have to have still maximum power Mm. right up until it goes completely flat. Mm. Car companies that do that, which... Tesla has investigated this. Tesla is one, and the Taycan, Porsche Taycan, is doing the same kind of thinking about giving you all the power right up until, instead of, well, as it you know gets to twenty percent, well, backs itself off. we're yeah. trying to we're starting to take you know some accelerative capabilities away from you. We're backing things out. That will be the differentiator between making the car fun all the way up until the very end before I have to be towed, versus <laughs> trickling out at thirty percent. Well, I'm losing power and I'm not. I'm going to do one more drag race and then right. I call it AAA. It, it really does have to do with that. And then also, the electric motor doesn't have to be between the rear axles mm. or between the axles at all. It can be off center. It can be yeah. anywhere yeah. in the car, really. Kind of. You can play with that weight. That's the interesting thing about electric sports cars. Mm-hmm. Never before have car manufacturers been able to play with the weight distribution in a car. Not nearly as much as they can now. You're right. Yeah, That's what's going to make the Alpine and Lotus mashup mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think that the thing that electric cars are all doing is they're trying to make you as uninvolved as possible. Let us do it is kind of the mantra of electric cars. I think for them to be fun, they're going to have to give us back control. The more, if somebody makes an, are you talking about autonomy or what are you talking about? I'm talking about across the board because, because electric cars are so tied to tech Hmm. that they start to work like your phone where it works really, really well. And everything has an app and I can make it do plaid mode or play funny sounds or, Oh look, there's fire. Uh, There's a fireplace on my, on my screen. I mean, Tesla's done all of these and more. Okay. Hmm. But, what if, and I know this isn't necessary, but what if we have things like a manually shifting electric car? And those people that have tried that and played with that. They exist. But the cars that don't have autonomy but happen to have an electric powertrain. So if we have cars yeah. that ask for driver involvement but happen to have an electric powertrain, I think those will have personality. I think the more they are a self-driving appliance, the less we're going to care. Yeah. Okay. They may work Fair great, enough. but I just don't think we're going to care. Michael Conti asked a question that I think you can answer by going to our Test Drive Videos channel. Okay. He says, I'm considering an Infiniti Q60. Oh, yeah. He's wondering our thoughts on the drive-by-wire steering. Is it bad enough to not get one for a fun GT daily driver? We drove the Infiniti Q50S 400 Red Sport or Red Sport 400. There's, a, there's a lot of stuff going Nicely on there. Done. That's on the second YouTube channel, and it actually just dropped about a week ago, and a lot of people are, walk, are watching that and talking about it. The key thing I would say to you, Michael, is get that Q60, get it without the drive-by-wire steering. It is possible to find such an animal. That's true. It is in most cases an option. Our car had it. We do not like it. I do not think it is a driver-centric thinking. Mm -hmm. It has no information. It actually has, and I make this comment, has less information than my BMW Z4, and that is almost as if you pursued it. That's really saying something. That's like you set out to not have steering feel. So I would say get a Q60 if you can get it without that electric drive-by-wire steering. Just the standard electric power steering is bound to be better. 
Indeed. Nick Jay has been seeing more and more headlines of some country plans to only sell mm. electric cars or ban internal combustion engines by name a year, usually European countries. What do we think the likely timescale is, if ever, for the U.S. to go only electric new cars or alternative-powered cars Yikes. to be available new? And a specific headline is Denmark banning petrol and diesel car sales by 2030. And many of you responded, talking about Massachusetts and California, already talking about this. Yes, I believe, speaking for you, we think there's going to be something that might be a wrench thrown in the mix here. Something might happen. So it's it's tough to say, you know, branding, that's there it is, stake there's, in the ground, this is still gonna happen. There's there's gonna be something that will affect that or some sort of caveat or change that will say, Okay, you know that thing we said, it's still in effect, but here's all the caveats and ways to get around it or something like that. Think of how much honestly, think of how much the miles per gallon standards have fluctuated over the last twenty years. And that's just not, in 20 years. I'm yeah. not saying how much cars have fluctuated because in general, cars have gotten more efficient. The miles per gallon, it, like average, has improved. But sure. the standards by which the automakers were supposed to meet keep going back and forth, back and forth, and that is entirely tied to politics. I'm not saying which is right or wrong, but I'm saying people are in office flag-waving for their version and the numbers and standards change. I think mm-hmm. we are still in a situation where this is going on with these electric cars. Somebody makes a flag-waving moment, no more, nothing but electric cars after this date. I think those dates are all going to be changing. Also, we've got major infrastructure issues to solve that have not been solved. Plus, then you have major issues about, okay, can you take an electric car in this part of town? Or can you take an internal combustion engine in this part of town? Because if you don't sell new ones is one thing, but it's not like all the old internal combustion engine cars suddenly vanished. No. Cars are more reliable and last longer than ever. And then what happens if you're in California and you can't buy a new electric car in California, but you drive across the border into Nevada and you buy one? What do you do? What's I, California do? This not give you registration when you try to bring it back in. That's yeah, what they do. And then they're all registered in Montana. This is how that works. So <laughs> it'll be really are. interesting to see how that plays out because I think it is only beginning. Yeah, but indeed. we shall see. Indeed, I also think people need to address you know tires because everybody says electric cars are coming. Tires, those black things, still use oil to make the tires. Just. Yes, they still I, I come from petroleum. It's a whole separate conversation because conversation, because but, the tires aren't polluting though. No, out of the tailpipe, which is what the major not, city areas are talking about. It still about. takes it still takes petroleum, petroleum processing, and manufacture the tires. As do all the plastics in the car. There's sure. a whole carving the plastics, your toothbrushes, and your tires out of bamboo. There's it's a there's a rabbit stable. trail that we're not going to follow here, but it does exist. Ed the sled is asking about all wheel drive cars. We on this podcast, and you guys have clearly heard us. Ed has as well. We are all about tires. I don't care what your drive wheels are. Get the right tires. That could include the new all-weather tires that have got the actual snowflake on the side but Mm -hmm. can work year-round. But if you're driving in snow and cold temperatures, your tires need to be rated for it. End of that rant. He's saying, when do we actually say, yeah, get all-wheel drive? Oh, yeah, right. I'm going to say because you get deep snow regularly and or if it's because the all-wheel drive version of that vehicle doesn't diminish the driving quality. I'll agree with that. And also, if that's the car you want, and that's the only way it comes. Of course. Absolutely. But but if if you have a front-wheel drive something, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it comes in all-wheel drive, just get in all-wheel drive. Why not? If you deal with weather, just get sure. – if it's a car that – if it, you get it in the standard form as front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive, it's so fun. And in all-wheel drive, it's less fun. Do you need all-wheel drive? Right, right. Two more quick questions. Baloo240 is asking, at what point do you wash the car instead of just cleaning it with the speed shine? That Sit is, down. Uh, wait. <laughs> quickly, that's when you're using too much speed shine product, and you might as well at some point just start to use water to get the overall grime Have off to first. start again. <laughs> Because speed shine isn't meant to take the place of gallons and gallons of water. True. Yes, it's yes. It's meant to be either a quick detail or in between washes before you do your regular maintenance. Chris Hutch4 asks, if are there any thoughts on guest podcasts sometime soon? Yeah. That is huge on my mind for 2021, Chris. Got some I've cool got ideas. A long list. I've yes. got some great ideas. We are working on those behind the scenes. It just kind of depends on when people get back to me and uh, you know people's schedules. But we're definitely working on that for sure. Jared Rose, I'm going to end on your question from me. You just got yourself a DJI Mavic Mini for Christmas, and you are now drone driving obsessed. <laughs> so you're asking for recommendations, and you're also saying, "Wait a, wait a, wait a minute! You've watched our stuff, and you've just now realized that all our drone shots have car noise." 
And now that you have a drone, you're realizing <laughs> drones don't record noise. Now, early drones recorded noise. Let they me tell did. you what that noise was. <laughs> That's all you got. Yeah. That's all you got. So somebody realized, why are we recording audio? Why do we even have a mic? Right. So they don't record any audio at all. So the way we get noise underneath it is we take it from elsewhere. We've got all these drive-by shots of cars, or we've got the exhaust recorded, so we put an appropriate sound, hopefully, we seek them out, underneath the shot you're looking at, because we want the shot to play silent. The car had noise when it went by, right. so that's right. where that comes from. Also, are you seeing editing as deceiving? Is that, I, is that what well, you're saying? editing makes gives you the best version of something. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. That's what editing does. Nice. It's like Photoshop for, for, for <laughs> nice. moving pictures. That's really what it is. He said, beginner tips. I'm going to tell you this, Jared. Move slowly. The, the the temptation when you have a drone is how fast can I get this shot? How fast can I make a move? And you're going to watch it later and be like, it doesn't feel cinematic. It feels right. really rushed. Right. Now, sometimes, sometimes compression shots where the drone's going really fast and the subject's going another direction fast can be really compelling. But I think that's kind of part two. Initially, sure. I would sure. say learn to do really nice, steady movements and find the grandeur in the fact that you're in the air at all and then worry about other things. Really appreciate all your questions, guys. Thank you again. Keep writing to us, your car conclusions, Topic Tuesdays, your car debates. You know where to find us. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.